0: the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 cards that would not make the cut in a championship deck. Tonight I'm your host Phil and joining me tonight we've got three of our co-hosts. We've got Skyler. how you doing? Doing pretty great. Josh? Hi there, doing well. And Brian? What's up, what's up? Doing good. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we are beginning the long road to Adepticon. Uh, we are going to be talking as our main topic about what we're doing to prep this year, um, and sort of what our thought process is and how we're going about it. I, I guess I should say a quick bit of context before we move forward that we are recording on January 17th. Um, we have officially heard that the Adepticon Grand Clash will be in the nemesis format this year, hence the topic, um. And we are just a few days out from our own uh, mini tournament that we're going to be hosting here in Madison, Wisconsin at Noble Knight Games on the 21st. So if you're in the area, come and join us. This episode, I believe, will be dropping on the day of the tournament. So you could even listen to it on your way over. Uh, but let's get into some community shout outs after I sort of tooted our own horn there. Uh You guys have anything you'd like to shout out? Anything that you've seen in the community lately?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll jump in. So Mandarga has recently... uh, Mandarga on Discord, uh, very uh, often frequents the Vassal. Discord is where I see him. Uh, Also has a blog, um, the Underdogs blog. And um, he has gone ahead and created a comprehensive format article um, that's extremely beginner-friendly. So if you ever need to or you know want to point somebody towards um how to get started this is an excellent resource uh to do so so we're going to go ahead and link that uh give it a look awesome yeah always good to uh have those kinds of
0: resources um we used to have uh wealth power um just sort of a compilation blog and uh now having somebody else to sort of put stuff up to be like hey here's your beginner sort of uh, resources and have uh stuff to help people know what the different format types are and especially now when we've got a few more and they're not as clearly laid out. Uh that's pretty pretty nice. Um Josh, Brian, any anything you guys have seen?
2: Yeah I'll shout out uh Agents at Sigmar. They are a YouTube channel that's been around for a while. Uh and I just noticed a flood of new videos that they've posted uh, covering Grin, loon Fearsome Fortress, Rivals, Nemesis, and, uh, some Nemesis Bat Reps. Uh, so if you want to prefer the video Bat Reps, uh, you can give them a check. And they, it has, uh, Chosen Axes versus the Eyes of Nine and Nemesis.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Classic. Uh, yeah, those guys have been around doing videos for a really long time. Um, all the way mm-hmm. back to the Shadespire days. Um, I think they do a really nice job. So, uh, um you know not not always uh as um present in some of the discord communities or anything like that but they they've been uh sort of a consistent um bat rep uh voice out in the community for a long long time so uh yeah go check them out they're uh they do some fun stuff um and and their their matchups are not always uh like meta or anything like uh brian just mentioned so you can see some fun stuff uh josh anything you'd like to call out
3: yeah i just wanted to uh shout out a correction from the last episode we reported on uh, sleeks bowl and his tournament going on out there uh, that will be on february 19th not the february 12th that was previously reported uh, again that's at gordon's good games in the tuscadero uh, that's between los angeles and san francisco uh, it'll be at 1pm rivals format Lots of prizes. They've already got uh, looks like twelve people signed up, so got plenty of people there looking to have a good time, play some uh, rivals format, learn the game, and so yeah. If you're in the area, give it a go.
0: Sweet, yeah. Also, uh, really great to be able to get twelve people for rivals. Okay, no that, that's that's pretty nice because I feel like usually rivals is more you know you're just bringing in brand new people. Um, I don't know how many. You know veterans he's got helping to bring new folks on but that is uh certainly good to hear
2: um well, he's definitely trying to make a newcomer friendly so I think oh yeah the... yeah
0: for sure for sure and and really appreciate that uh sleeks bowl i'm sure you're going to be listening here at some point so uh <laughs> appreciate the the enthusiasm to build the community that is something that we have always strived for and uh love to see it out uh in other areas <laughs> One quick event that came in just under the wire, we wanted to let you know about a event at the Portal in Manchester, Connecticut. It'll be a best-of-three Nemesis format starting at noon, $10 entry fee, and it'll be on February the 5th. Again, that's Portal Games in Manchester, Connecticut. Go check it out. Uh, if you want to know more, you can find Chris Spark on one of the Discords. But Yeah, so so I think that's community shout-outs. I have been busy with a number of different things, so I have not uh, actually stayed in the loop too too much i've i've sort of popped in just to see like hey somebody posted something but like i i don't really know what those things are yeah we did Um, get a lot of really
2: good feedback on our debate episode so we got a lot of that we want to uh roll into our next debate and improve upon take a, a lot of good suggestions
0: absolutely yes um yeah the the total amount of feedback was absolutely great. Um, you know, it's a, it's a new format for us, something that we're trying different. Um, and we definitely want to do more of it, but, uh, if if there's things you think we could be doing better or things that you thought, um, were good that you want us to know about, please let us know. Um, we've already heard from a number of folks and, uh, yeah, it's just really great to have that kind of feedback so we can try and make it everything uh, as best as it can possibly be for future episodes. So that brings us to our hobby section, and with going to Adepticon in just a couple short months, I'm sure everybody's got a little bit of hobby that they've been working on. Uh, who would like to shout anything out? Anything you've been working on lately? I know Josh has been starting on something. Yeah, Josh is
3: talking uh, about the bit. <laughs> absolutely would love to share. So I, uh, I caught the painting bug bad recently so started off with a concept uh so yeah i've really been chomping at the bit i caught the hobby bug pretty bad and i've been painting the gore chosen so started off as a uh as just a quick concept and that was you know trying to wound an entire realm is some some pretty big kid uh big kid moves there Be a real shame if that realm were to do something to the contrary. Uh, So I've been painting them up with that concept in mind, and I'm real excited to enter that into our uh, painting competition on Saturday.
0: Yeah, they're looking Mm. super tight. Well, you'll have to share pictures somewhere because that sounds very interesting and I'm sure people will be curious to know what that actually means. By the he's, time
3: uh... by the time this episode airs, I will have picks ready and waiting, or
2: I'll be dead. So one of the <laughs> two.
0: <laughs> you'll one way or another, you'll know what happened.
2: Yep. Well, he's he's already got the Gore Hulk like eighty percent done, ninety percent done, and yeah. it's looking fire.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to to share them out. So I'll have pictures ready and waiting by the time the uh, the listeners get their
2: Spears on this fire. What are you gonna do with Herax and all his fire?
3: Ooh. Wouldn't you like to
2: know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, the uh, the strategy there is if
3: I don't know what I'm doing, you don't know what I'm doing. So, misdirection. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, Brian, have you been painting anything? You've been...
2: I have not. Uh, I'm still kind of waffling on what I'm going to be taking to Adepticon, because that's going to be what I focus on. Um, I had the hobby progress on the loon court and i can't say that my spirit's in it for getting them to completion for adepticon. i'm gonna take something else uh for my warband and so i i'm still waffling on what that will be
0: so hey that is part of the process and that is hobby too Um, any models you'd have to build or do you have everything built already I have everything built, but
2: I'm like, there's a part of me that's hesitant to, because I want to wait and see what this new warband is. Because if mm. they're spicy, that might just uh, <laughs> give me the hobby bug and get me to paint something over it's in the course of a week, like uh, Josh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Skylar, you got anything?
1: Yeah, uh, just been enjoying uh, running the local league. Uh, we were two weeks into that uh, at this point in time. And we already have uh, so many warbands that have shown up. And everybody, uh, like the attendance, has uh, just been uh, blowing me away. Uh, I'm super excited every time I get there. I'm, I am not the first one there anymore. Like There's always somebody waiting or somebody already playing a game. Uh, and it's, it's just really great to see the excitement and the momentum behind uh, the local league. And uh, with Nemesis announced for uh, Adepticon. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, very nemesis minded right now, was hanging out with some friends that are going to join us at Adepticon this year, uh, that, uh, were asking me to help them out, w- uh, with their decks. So spent some time at some friends' houses, just, uh, doing some, some good old deck building on like war bands that I don't normally, uh, play around with myself, uh, just cause you kind of lean into your favorites. So. I won't spoil their picks for them. I'll I'll let them present them at Adepticon, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I've been uh, messing around with Mad Mob and Skace Wild Hunt, and I I feel like we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the episode. Yeah, Uh, Current current count on the leaderboard is
2: 13 participants in our league, so it's it's awesome to see.
0: Yeah, always good, and we've had a couple of our uh, fine folk who have not even been able to get out a whole lot yet so um it's definitely definitely good to see that even even with the holidays and a longer break that people are still hanging around still wanting to jump in there and play some games uh and and even a couple of new people so i mean it's, it's always always a little yeah. humbling and uh it's also just really great to have so many folks interested in the game and in our uh small community here
2: yeah, and in this early in the league, there's uh, plenty of time to join in. There's an excellent catch-up mechanic that we have for new players joining in mid, uh, mid-league. And so if you're hearing this and you're in the area, feel free to jump on in. Uh, if you want to check out our league format, you can check out our episode where we cover all that in depth. Absolutely.
1: But you don't need to uh, be uh, learned on the league system to uh, step in and introduce yourself. So if you are in the Madison area, um, even if you're just like, man, I've heard a little bit about this game. Step in. We'd love to show you. Right.
2: Yeah. I was advertising our league episode for those that would like to have one of their own and start theirs up. Word. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, then I think unless anyone has anything else from hobby... We can get into our main topic here. Sounds good. All right. So the main topic today, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be talking about our path through Deptcon, uh, which we've done uh, in the last couple of years, sort of talking through a little bit about uh, Davianized choices and sort of how we reached those choices and what our thought process was. And we're going to basically break that same thing down again, except. This time, because it's not championship, we're going to first talk a little bit about what what are the things that we're considering now because it is the Nemesis format, and where does that lead us uh, in different directions about things like what warbands we're expecting to have to face, what warbands do we think make sense to play, and sort of where we're starting to settle. Obviously, as Brian mentioned, he hasn't settled, but uh, still plenty of things that have been considered. So I will have... Well, if I
2: may, if I may cut in just with event details for those that aren't aware, or want oh, sure. to uh, reaffirm. So, Adepticon is the weekend of the of March. It starts on the Wednesday, so March twenty second to the twenty sixth. Uh, it's at Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, it's a suburb of Chicago, just a short taxi or Uber ride from O'Hare Airport. Uh, So, and it's uh, Chicago, Illinois, central U.S., so it's well within driving distance for most people in the Midwest, like such as ourselves. Uh, It's well within driving distance for everybody in the U.S., as any true (laughs) true Midwesterner knows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the underworld's grand clash is specifically run on march 25th which is that saturday it begins at 11 a.m to 9 p.m it'll have a two-day cut so the second day is march 26th the sunday starting at 8 a.m to 4 p.m currently for saturday they have 72 Tickets available. They, I uh, did get word that they can expand if they reach 72. There's more table space available. They could even double. Uh, it is 30 bucks a person to get a ticket at the Grand Clash. There will also be a uh, event pass. And and anybody wants to go to Adepticon, it's free to go and check out the vendor hall, check out all the game space. But if you're gonna buy event tickets, there is a event pass and then you buy the uh, ticket to your event so just so that everybody knows the costs up front Uh, and that's saturday we will be there in force you don't have to uh, submit your deck list in advance you don't even have to commit to a warband in advance as far as i know unless that changes uh, we'll be sure to let you know Uh, registration does close february 28th at 12 pm so we still have about a month for people to decide and figure out if they can or want to go. Uh, again, if you can go but you don't want to be in the event, you're welcome to go and check out Adepticon. It's I've I went to Adepticon without participating in any events for two or three years. Just it's a spectacle and it's awesome to see and uh, walk around, and look at everything. So highly recommend.
0: Yeah thanks uh we can link all that stuff out too so that folks can have quick access to uh the registration and everything um but yeah uh the adepticon website easy to find easy to navigate um if you need any additional details they're definitely the place to go check out um got everything there um yeah so i was gonna say um i would like to start things off uh Skyler, what are some of the things that you have been considering when starting to think about this nemesis format for the championship?
1: Yeah, um, so with nemesis, I I kind of end up uh, in a different mindset than I do with championship. With championship, uh, I think a little bit more about the field I expect to see. Um, I, I don't actually feel that way with nemesis. With nemesis, uh, there's a few warbands that Definitely stand out in my mind that I think are really strong right now, and we will likely see uh, quite a bit of uh, at Adepticon this year. But ultimately, I'm not like testing my deck out against like all of these different things that I think I'm going to see um, to to a degree. So uh, to sp- what? I tend to lean more into as I'm prepping, is more the puzzle of my deck and making sure my deck flows as good as possible and less about what I'm going to be trying to counter or what's my plan when I come up against this. To a degree, it's still there, um, but it's definitely lessened. Um, And One of the Warbands that I expect that we're gonna see uh, Quite a bit of is the Gnarl Spirit pack, and I'm kind of just putting them out of mind right now. Uh, I would love for us to get a, um, some sort of errata or update um, or uh, far restrictions. Well, I guess that wouldn't apply to Nemesis, but you know, some sort of update to that warband going into uh, Adepticon because they are taking a ton of events that they show up to. Uh, I think they're, they're a little overtuned, I think they're incredibly strong. And I'm kind of just putting them out of mind. Like, I don't want to shape my entire game plan around will I sit across the table from Narl Spirit Pack. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm starting. Um, Just picking some of my favorite warbands and looking at what sort of pairing uh, I might want to go in with with a Rivals plot deck. Uh,
0: And so... So you say you don't want to play the counter game and I can understand that because I think one thing that I've noticed in trying to build decks so far is that you don't have enough options to worry about counters. Like you say, you really have to focus your nemesis deck on trying to just pick the most optimal choices between the two decks, right? Um, you know, you're, you're so limited in that you only have the cards from one uh, rivals deck and one faction deck. That you're pretty much just going to say, okay, what are the optimal choices here? What are the optimal choices there? Put them together. If you try worrying about like what are your counter picks, um, at least what I've been seeing is that it it makes it you know pretty hard to actually do like effectively if you're trying to do that. I don't know. Uh, any of you guys have any different feelings when you started looking at warbands and what their sort of efficient options are going to be? It kind
2: of depends because Nemesis is uh, very first and foremost an all or nothing type uh, investment opportunity. So, like, when you look at your, when you pick a Warband, you got to see, look at the strength of their Warband deck. And then based on that, you can kind of determine what rivals' decks you can, at least in my mind, that I can pair with them. If I have a particularly strong Warband deck, then I don't need as many to rely on the Rivals deck to provide and fill in the cards. Um, but if you have a really weak Warband deck, you really need a strong Rivals deck. Um, if you have a pretty strong Warband deck, then you have more options in my mind. Uh, most of the Rivals deck decks in my mind are geared towards aggro. So uh, it's kind of like if your Warband really Leans heavily into hold objectives, then you're going towards daring delvers and uh, fearsome fortress. But depending on the strength of their deck, it it depends because you really have to evaluate how important are certain cards, or do you need more cards out of a deck? If I don't know if that made any sense.
0: Let's let's dig into it a little bit more. Um, so you say that you need to have a strong deck. What what qualifies a deck? a Warband or a uh, Rivals deck as being strong.
2: I don't necessarily mean that it needs to
0: be strong
2: uh, for your, your pick. You could pick a Warband like Wormspat and go with a, a really strong Rivals deck that can supplement a lot of their cards. But you have more options the stronger your Warband deck
1: is. So, so what I guess, defines strength? Yeah, what uh, what is it
0: then you're looking at a Warband when you're like, oh, this, this Warband does have a strong deck versus this warband doesn't what are what are the criteria like specifically what are the cards that are making it look to you as strong or not strong i think i know what you mean but let's be clear to the listeners
3: yeah i can uh i can actually jump in here because i think i've got it pretty well laid out yeah for how i do it um first thing that i look for in a strong warband is their core mechanic what is it that they want to do is it hold objective is it uh is a deal damage and then the strength comes from whether or not it's able to pair well with one of the uh decks that are out there currently Uh, as brian mentioned that there is a lot of skew towards aggro in in those decks so if you have a deck uh excuse me if you have a warband that is more geared towards aggro or a specific type of aggro whether that be um haskell's rascals throwing down pings all over the place just doing little little bits of damage then finding uh finding a deck and leaning into uh maybe sudden revelation in the daring delvers being able to control when and where you're doing those kills is is going to be consistently strong Uh, So I think that's kind of what Brian was trying to get into with where the strength lies is the cohesion between the warband and whichever deck you're picking as your nemesis pick.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of difficult to define because the strength of a warband's deck can mean a lot of different things. Uh, Such as you might have a warband that's really variable, like, for instance, in my experience, Dread Pageant can go either full aggro, uh, hold objective, or flex. So they have a lot of flexibility in terms of choosing, do they want to go hard into one? Could could they do a jack of all trades and do a flex into both? Um, And depending on the rival's deck you pair with, you can lean into that. Uh, You also have uh, niche strengths, I would say, such as like gore on their face could be just pure aggro. Um, But if you read into their cards more, they have a lot of sit in the center and fight over objectives in No Man's Land. And that pairs very well with Fearsome Fortress. So, like, you take a decent, like, aggro choice and you could pair that with any of the rival's decks. But I'd say their real strength comes with pairing that niche strength with the strength of Fearsome Fortress and synergizing those two together to make a really cohesive goal.
0: So we've got a marriage of cards that match a warband's play style and their sort of mechanic, if you will, and how that then pairs with a rival's deck. And that certainly is something that I would consider to be a strength of a warband in the nemesis format. Is there any uh, thought given to how efficiently a warband can score their objectives when you're building your nemesis deck?
3: Absolutely. So I was uh, I was going to get into that shortly after giving Brian the assist there. Consistent objectives was was my uh, was my third point, and that is crucial because if you have high scoring uh, goodness, what's the what's the one that the chosen axes have that's worth like a ton of glory, but really really niche. It's the one that uh,
0: Phil and Davey were. Weren't they both playing uh, Chaos? Oh, if you're thinking about what we played at our last Nemesis Championship, we were oh. both playing Corn Warbands, and they yeah. both have goofy versions of Annihilation where yeah. you specifically have to kill your whole opponent's Warband and have only one of your fighters surviving. Gotcha. Um, that is yeah,
3: the one I was yeah. trying to get yes, at. Yes,
0: and those are worth I think
2: Corns Corns Chosen is a Magora's Fiend card. Score this in an end phase if your leader is the only surviving fighter. Eight yeah. glory. Yeah. There it the, is.
0: All the memes. Um yes. Obviously that is not a something that you want to be playing in a nemesis tournament unless you're doing silly memes. Right. And that's or the, uh, that's the point I was trying things to get at. It could be at. a goal to flex on somebody and get that off. It could be. I think if you were to pull it off, you'd probably pull it off on somebody who couldn't see it coming, and you were probably dunking on somebody you shouldn't be. But, you know, I guess everybody can have their own goals. Corn cares not. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> but, yeah, I think the overall point I was trying to get there was that There are scoring options, but consistency is key. Sure, you're going to come across one or two people that, as Phil said, you can dunk on. But that's not going to win you a tournament.
0: Yeah. Um, Skylar, you have not had a whole lot uh, to contribute to this. Any other thoughts for what makes a warband quote-unquote strong in an format? He
3: still
2: doesn't have a lot to contribute, so we can move on.
0: Speaking of dunking on
2: new people.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I've been Skyler. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Skyler. <laughs> no, um, as far as uh, strength goes, um, to contribute to that conversation uh, and to specifically to jump off of the objectives talk, um, is how many surges uh, can you get? off of the Rivals deck and a pairing. Um, I think the answer needs to be no less than five, um, six if you can. Uh, and I think you're going to find that uh, the more reliable those surges are, the stronger the deck is going to be uh, over over many plays. Um, so I think surges are, are key. in Nemesis, I don't think you're always going to get six, and I think that's fine. Um, uh me talking like surges being key uh, is, is new and the gnarled spirit pack being a threat is, is news to, to anyone. <laughs> um, but I, I think it should be said like when you when you're uh, jumping in, working through your deck, uh, make sure you know early on, surges are something you're thinking about and, and you can at least get to five. Maybe that fifth one's a little hard. Um, I think that's okay. Um, but if that fourth one's hard, I think you either need to look at a different pairing or potentially a different war band pick for, for a tournament like this. That's a good metric.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's an interesting point just because it does limit some of the earlier warband choices, just because of the nature of how those warbands faction cards were constructed. Um, you know, if you go back to season one, some war bands only had like three or four surges. Um, and if, so, if you are trying to take those warbands that didn't even have full uh, faction rivals decks to pull from, and then try and have to lean on another uh, deck, you are pretty much, you know, at the complete uh, mercy of that other deck because um, you're going to need to carry a lot of the weight um, from season one sort of shortcomings in the faction design with your uh, objectives from that new rivals deck and i think from what i've seen um that that actually makes it pretty hard so seasons one and two um i'm not saying you can't run those warbands definitely try them out if you're feeling something but um i know in in my looking at warbands just to sort of start to build a picture of what i might want to do um i started to realize that your choices got so constricted so fast that it became extremely difficult to build decks for those early warbands. So I almost immediately started just starting at Beastgrave and looking forward as to what I might want to play. Um, but that that also is, um, there's some weird choices in Beastgrave too, where they didn't have the balance of things quite right yet. Uh, Hrothgorn is actually a surprisingly difficult warband to build for Nemesis because he doesn't have enough end phase cards. Mm. Um, Because he has eight surges. So uh, just by the nature of things, he just doesn't have as many choices. And one of his choices is an Annihilation clone. So uh, (laughs) you're already in a pretty bad spot (laughs) if you're trying to pick your end phases for the Hrothcorn. So some some weird things that you normally probably wouldn't have to worry about uh, that are definitely considerations once you're starting to build towards Nemesis.
1: And it is wild to hear difficult to build and Rothgorn in the same sentence, but in the yeah. you know in the context of Nemesis, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, if you're an, if you're somebody who's just you know thinking about this as well, it is definitely something where you might want to just actually sit down with like a few different choices and start start just looking at like what are all my options. You know, I've you've got your what is it four. Or is it five uh net uh, rivals decks you can choose from now? It's four, right? Four at this time the f- fifth one's on its way. Right. Right? There will be a fifth one. We don't know what Correct. it is yet. Yeah. We know it's coming uh, in February. We
3: know it's beast bound assault. Yep, that's and the that name. Sounds mm-hmm. like gnarlewood. Sounds aggro. Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I think that that's something that we, we all touched on because we're familiar with it, but let's expand on that a bit. Why 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 is Nemesis leaned? what is it that makes nemesis aggro right now
3: so i think the the biggest thing that has it leaning I, i think back it up a little bit i think there's two things the first is that there isn't as much play in holding objectives and i think that was a deliberate choice there were uh tokens taken off the board all of the objectives start face up So we've already curbed the defensive and passive power of the game. Then you put it into a format, Nemesis, where the decks are going to be less consistent. So already there's more value on take all enemies off the board. They can't score anything if they are dead. Uh, So I think those two things combined make it very rewarding to do the murder and do the murder first.
0: Hmm. Which is interesting because, um, you know, in the past, a lot of the times we've talked about, you know, avoiding rolling dice because the variance of aggro is sometimes it's downfall because sometimes you just can't hit. Um, Is there something about Nemesis that's uh, making that to be less of a hindrance?
2: Well, one thing I would say is that in... I, I would also like to point out, if for those in the past, that if you were familiar with the Rivals Plus format, which is what Nemesis uh, became, or Nemesis became or Rivals Plus became Nemesis, I guess. Yeah. Um, Rivals, Rivals Plus was kind Nemesis of
3: before it was cool.
2: Yeah, <laughs> before GW adopted it. Um, and back then, we were having to make do, where we had Silent Menace, um, Illusory Might. Oh no, there is five uh, nemesis decks. We have three right now in the current season: Illusory Might and Deadly Depths. Uh, they're oh, used, that's to, right. all, no, used to also we used to also yeah yeah we used to also include the Essentials pack. Uh, but since that wasn't geared for rivals, it has sixty cards in it, which is a wealth of choices. That was um, a bad idea from the start. Yeah, but uh, one of the things that it means is we don't have any of the hold objectives that are in that deck, uh, so that used to be something that in Rivals Plus, uh, a lot of warbands did use the hold objective tactics from um, the Essentials pack. Uh, now that's gone, and not in the official Nemesis format, so bear that in mind if you're going to a Essentials pack is not valid. Um, so... With that gone, that was a is something that has felt lacking. I know that I have um, felt that missing. The I don't necessarily think that's a bad choice because since it had sixty cards, it was the go to choice for the longest time. Uh, but in the current setting with Gnarlwood, you also have the ability to move multiple times to attack after you've made a charge because. You can, if all of your surviving fighters have made a charge, you can still attack. Uh, and the current rivals decks, namely Tooth and Claw, offer a lot of great accuracy bonuses, which make the diceiness of aggro a lot more manageable.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got a, a, at least two ways of up quote-unquote upgrading fighters one of those is a a persisting ploy but um upgrading fighters with plus one dice which is something we haven't had um previously as a option we've we've had a lot of plus damage before but not always with the accuracy now we're kind of flipped where if you need damage you're probably getting it from your warband instead um but yeah having those extra dice options certainly makes things easier um any uh any other thoughts about uh, what is what is sort of leaning us towards aggro?
3: yeah another thing that really leans into rewarding aggro is um, any of the hold objectives uh, hold objective objectives that are in the game right now are region locked so you need yeah. to hold an objective in enemy territory. Or hold an objective within a hex of no man's land. Um, it's not just hold an objective wherever that may be. It's so even if you are going for an objective, you're putting yourself out in the open. It's not just sit back and make you come to me. It's I'm going to hold on to this objective and pray. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. For sure. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, absolutely. And another thing that leans us towards aggro right now is just the uh, emphasis on ping presence, uh, which is a roundabout sort of aggro, right? Because, yeah, a- aggro being, you know, aggression uh, is where, where we get that from. And, you know, it builds this picture of attack, 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 um, daka, daka, daca. And <laughs> but Ultimately, it's, you know, burning bodies down, just taking them off the board left and right as quick as as quick as you can. And with ping, you're, you know, getting everybody within kill range faster because if they're vulnerable, a ping can take them out. Uh, If you need that kill, um, you can ping them uh, so that your fighter can come in, get the kill, and you can get that out of, you know, uh, attack action, took the fighter out, um, score off. So there's just, um, a lot of incentive and, uh, for ping right now, uh, specifically with, uh, sudden demise, uh, offering two glory, uh, when ping takes or when a gambit or a lethal, um, for, for those unfamiliar, um, take does the damage that takes an action or a fighter out of action. Got there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's, that's a three glory kill. Um, so when you're thinking, you know, should I include ping in my deck? Uh, I'm running Darian Delvers. I've got sudden revelation or sudden demise here. Um, that's pushing the the game that you're about to play more towards rushing health bars down quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is something that was at this. I mean, we're not even that far in yet, but. Um, was not something that was quite as obvious when we first got into Narwood. It was like, very quickly once we got here, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Suddenly there's all these pings all over the place. We're getting killed by cards. We're getting killed in the power step. That's something that hasn't happened in probably three or four seasons. Um, I know in Night Vault it was everywhere, but um, we had magic. So <laughs>
3: yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, Conversely, yeah.
3: uh, I actually the first time that I read *Sudden Demise*, I looked at it and went, "Oh no," because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw that and was like, "Wait a minute, we've right. got to, we're going to have people building into this. What's the what's the viability? Oh no, there's, there's like a, four or five out yeah, there.
0: There's a really big carrot, right? It's going to lead people towards. Yep. The uh, <laughs> that path, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not even just, hey, there's a warband that can come and smash face. It's like you've got all these different avenues and all these different factors that are leaning the format towards aggro. And so in that vein, I have certainly felt that everything you build has to be at least mindful of the fact that there's going to be a lot of aggro. So you either need to be able to deal with it or be able to ignore it to a certain extent agreed um, so i have certainly started picking out a few warbands um and thinking more about with all of those things in mind what are the warbands that we expect to see um but i'm curious what you guys have been thinking about in terms of the warbands that we expect to see and where that has been leading you in your decision making
3: well let's address the elephant in the room yes obviously god sworn hunt
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, Just kidding. The real me. chaos, undivided warband. Kygris ready. Gnarl
3: spirit pack. You know, <laughs> I I don't know that I would expect to see them, but they are performing better than I anticipated this season.
0: It, yeah, um, but but yes, I think to 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 no longer joke and beat around the bush. We we are of course talking about the gnarl spirit pack. Um, I mean, I think Skylar let us off quite well with them. Um, they're good. They're a problem. Um, they're, they're very strong. They're very fast. I think their speed is probably their best strength. Um, you're going to see them, uh, just be prepared for it. I don't know what else to say. Um, I think maybe in some ways, like Skylar was saying, you know, unless you think you can build a war band that specifically is good against them. And I don't know that there's really a war band that is strong into them. Um, you just, you just know they're going to be there and you just deal with that fact. And maybe you just play what you're going to play because they're going to be a pretty tough out no matter what. Um, I think there are a few options you could take to try and like play counter to them, but, that starts to feel, you know, a little bit like you're 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 hoping to get that matchup enough that it's going to be able to carry you through. If you start to build counter, and then if you don't face them, you may not actually have the right tools. So it's always a dangerous thing to do, um, to tool completely towards one warband. So I, shall
2: we shall we uh, continue talking about warbands we might see, or should we focus on normal Spirit right now?
0: No, I, I think I think. I think that it's, it's just, let's, let's get gnarl Spirit out in, we've, we've cleared the air, we know they're there, yeah. we're acknowledging their presence. Yeah, <laughs> and they,
2: they do die, like, yeah. they, they have four wounds, four wounds, three wound, three wound, so, yeah. uh, kind of build towards your strength if you have a guy, if you have a warband with a cleave option right out the gate, you might have an answer for Goral. Um, otherwise I would, if you have damage three right out the gate, uh, wait for one of their three wound fighters to charge you and then, uh, try and take them out. Uh, there's, there's ways to kind of like play to your strengths with them. Uh, the difficulty with them is they're extremely accurate. They have a lot of benefits and a lot of
1: movement. I think that if you want a few takeaways regarding Nauros spirit pack as to, to prepare yourself for when you sit down across from them. Know that uh, their leader uh, has a threat range of 8, because as soon as he activates, he can, he goes to 6 movement, and he has a range to attack. So um, 8 away is... Range uh, range nine. 9, if he wants to ping you. He has got his spell, too. Oh, sure, sure, indeed. Uh, so uh, his threat range is massive. So you're probably not escaping him. And then with um, the Barbarian uh, with the two axes, I suppose they're all Barbarians. Um, Kira. Kira, thank you very much. Um, She uh, can come in with range five or a movement five and then uh, perform a scything attack on her first turn. So uh, try to be mindful of what scything targets are available to your opponent uh, in case the dice roll off doesn't go your way because that option's available to them. And then... Um, and fair
2: warning with that Scything, it's coming in with four dice each attack, Grievous. So for one damage, spiking to two.
1: So, uh, and, and the final uh, threat then is Goral. Uh, he can deal three damage uh, on his first turn. So um, those are the three like major threats that you need to just uh, be a little mindful of as you're making your placements when you're sitting across from the table.
0: And I don't know that we necessarily need to do like a, a full breakdown of each of these warbands of like how to play them. Uh, my main I, my main point of wanting to mention them was just to say they're going to be there. They're a tough out. Let's clear the air. We don't need to mention them in all of our lists because we know that that's like yeah. problem 1A. And you yeah. can definitely <laughs> be preparing for them. Uh, no, but they
2: are something that we want to avoid uh, people being blindsided by.
0: I I mean sure I don't know that anybody's gonna be blindsided by the top tier warband at the moment but yes definitely but but to to get back to the main point I think is to just say when you're trying to pick out the warband you want to play what are the other warbands you're considering what are the ones you're expecting to see and uh, why maybe are you leaning towards picking or expecting to see those those warbands let's do three each
3: okay i'll take the lead uh so one of the and i'll just kind of go based on my own personal choices so i'm planning on taking gore chosen i think in a or rather one of my potential choices is gore chosen i haven't decided between that or if i'm just committing blind to whatever the new warband is and hating my life for it. But Gorchosen's on the table because there is more health than normal there. And so being able to soak a couple hits and still keep on moving is something that I wanted to spec heavily into. Uh, Because with fighters having Scything with as much ping and damage as there is i felt that warbands with multiple bodies were going to struggle simply because they could they could outlast because most most everything was dictated by uh, action economy and you can only kill so many in a game Uh, not so in this environment so that was why i leaned gore chosen they have a really strong uh faction deck to work with as well as the stats to back it up they're pretty accurate on their own and they have things to make them more accurate um another one that i'm looking at and i know i just talked about how bodies don't exactly mash up against the action economy like they used to i'm considering exiled dead as maybe a threat, simply because they can control that action economy, but I'm wondering if they're just going to give up too much glory along the way. Um, For my third pick, I think we're going to see Rippa's. I think Rippa's is going to come back. They're going to have that play that they had with their faction deck that they've had for a while now. I'm just... I haven't seen for myself whether or not they blend well with the uh, nemesis decks. I don't think Rip has ever left. <laughs> right. I don't think they left, yeah. but they, they weren't, they weren't as prominent in championship from what I saw.
0: For sure. And, and I think, I think there's also just not as many people in our local area playing them, but I think that you're right. I think they're, they're one of those war bands that has a strong faction set of cards that they can lean on. Um, to then try and find some other way to pair and and they, they like being aggro so I mean it's it's like the things that most of these Rivals decks are rewarding you for are what they want to be doing anyway so it goes back to our synergy talk from uh, some of the things that make a Warband strong in this format right now uh, Brian how about you?
2: Warbands that I expect to see uh, Gore Chosen I didn't Think that I would expect to see headcrackers, but I think Skylar has some juicy details to bring up. Um, and I mean, yeah, Hexbane. Um, I think they're a really forgiving warband in that the amount, like anytime they're delta below, they get something in return. So they're very forgiving in that sense. And they have a lot of uh, threats. So it's, it's also a, a warband that's awesome because it gives your opponent a lot of bad choices and it can be really daunting to go up against that. Like, really um, fun, fun to go against, like, because they're, they're a puzzle.
0: You want to expand on that? How are they a puzzle?
2: So they have a lot of overlapping synergies. Um, Amos can support a friendly fighter if he is within two hexes of the target. Uh, so I know in my matchup against Davy, he had a bit of a Hexbane castle going on. He had a bunch of defensive buffs on Hexbane. And n- not more than two or three times that uh, Amos synergy with the support uh, caused me a lot of consternation with his... Uh, so his... He, he provides an extra support in success on defense. Uh, and so I... Had to take out per my objectives. Had to take out Hexbane, but I really felt like afterwards I should have targeted Amos, taken him out, because um, of I, I made the wrong choice in taking out the puzzle. Um, <laughs> so, sure. but yeah. you also you also have uh, if you if Hexbane gets a kill, then he inspires. So does Bridget. Um, if one of their fighters goes down, he can remove a charge token off of one of his fighters. Uh, So you can have a fighter who's made a charge, and you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about them anymore. And then you take out Amos, and now Bridget's active again, and it's like, oh no, Uh, they're even deeper in my lines now after that first charge. Uh, It's a a puzzle. Like, it's fun to play against in that sense. It's a challenge. Um, they They are glass cannons. They do go down. Uh, but every time they go down, they get a benefit as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they are not, um, well, they are forgiving. I think that they're a very high skill ceiling, uh, warband. So I think if you do see them, potentially that's something to watch out for because it could mean that somebody's got a lot of reps with them and is like really comfortable with them and they're going to be able to do a lot of like neat tricks. Um, and just play to the field really well because they have lots of flexibility. Um, They're certainly one that I would almost guarantee you'll see at least someone play them and they'll probably play them very well.
1: Mm -hmm. How about you Skylar? Well, the uh, ones I definitely wanted to highlight have all come up. Uh, I think we're going to see Rippa's. I think we're going to see Hexbane and I think we're going to see core chosen. I think, of, you know, outside of gnarls Spirit Pack, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see duplicates of those at the convention. Um, so a few that I hope I see. Um, I hope I see uh, Storm of Celestis. I think they're really good right now. Yep. Uh, I would like to see kager's Ravagers as well. I think they got handed um, an incredible power spike with the new season and um t- touching on that a little bit um the charged out rule uh does a lot of work for them and they have a really spicy upgrade um the hellfire sword if i recall the name of it correctly um, that's got a range uh three threat range so uh once charged out uh if you got that in your hand and you can pop that down on one of your fighters all of a sudden um, you're dealing um you're threatening three when you wouldn't expect that out of Kagras. Um, and a third one I'd really like to see, um, is I'd really like to see, uh, the cunning crew, um, simply because I think that they're always a technical pilot away from, uh, at the top table.
0: Yeah, sure. I, I can definitely see that. I think they have similar to hex Bains, lots of tricks, lots of high skill ceiling plays um and and they are good at being efficient in their aggro um because of all their support tech did you want to expand
1: at all on any of your other choices you just sort of um yeah uh sure i can uh so with storm of celestis um again i think it's the charged out rule that's doing a lot of work here um if they run in with their range one attack uh and are charged now you have to think about if you want to take one of their other fighters out and bring their count below four because they've got four actions and that fighter still has grenade round available to them. Um, and as the rounds go on and you take down fighters, uh, that continues to be something that they have available to them. Um, and they're hitting you know, range three, uh, two damage, and pretty accurate at two hammers. Um, and all three of them have that available to them. Um, they also, uh, have some good hold cards available to them. So they might be one of the few war bands, uh, that can really lean into that in the, in the current meta. Um, yeah, I think they'd be a surprise, uh, for whoever sits across from them, uh, especially if they're not familiar, uh, with what they're capable of. Um, uh, and then, uh, the Cunning crew, I think is, uh, they always have really strong, um, objectives like uh, they have a surge or two i might just be thinking a championship where i always see two of them that does this um where like you just have to have a support uh off of a successful attack uh, to score and that's what they're going to be wanting to do so they can gang up on you make their attacks uh super um super accurate and uh score big off of them
0: yeah for sure um, I, I certainly agree with all of your picks. I think those are probably a lot of the most likely things that we'll see. Um, other things that I think we might see and I think that might be worth talking about just as like if somebody were to not be playing aggro, um, what might we see? But I think before we get to that, like um, so like the Exile Dead like just josh mentioned uh i think something to keep in mind um they're certainly still you know they've they've just got such great action economy that they can do a lot of different things um and they just have enough bodies that they can be fairly aggressive um in a like they're not going to charge towards you necessarily but if you get towards them and you don't kill them you're going to get swarmed um and that can be a problem um so something to watch out for there. I do think that, you know, Kanan's Reapers could, Reapers could still have play. I think that Crimson Court could still have play. Like there's there's a lot of sort of these mid-range, um, not like hyper aggro, but still aggressive warbands. So I think we could see a lot of. Um, any other things that you guys think might be some like offbeat choices that we might need to be thinking about i've got a couple ideas but i don't want to just keep rattling stuff off
3: i think if anybody's going to pull off a hold build or and against the meta build i think it's going to be zarbags
0: yeah Gets. okay really
3: Um, so what do you think i (laughs) why i don't see it as the like messiah savior of <laughs> of the meta i'm just saying that in in nemesis if anybody's going to hold and hold well it's going to be Zarbegs. they've got in mm-hmm. cards to support it um, they have some of that tech that is to the effect of I'm just going to hang out back here and you make me move. Mm-hmm. So I don't have high hopes on seeing them hit the top table, but I think if anybody's going to try and go against the current and win, it'll be them.
1: Huh. I, I I personally I, think they'll bleed too much glory.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I would, any, I would any of the whole are going to but they're going to weep a lot of glory when Kira hits them. Weep?
3: Well, yes, but so is Grimwatch. So is the Exiled Dead. So are every other Hold warband. I just think that they're the ones that are going yeah, to... Yeah, Zarbags
2: has nine fighters. Well,
3: yes, if you table any of them, <laughs> then yes, they're going to lose. <laughs> I'm saying if anybody's going to do Hold, it's them.
0: So since you mentioned it, I will, I will jump to this now. Grimwatch uh they have the ability to revive fighters and they have some really spicy infection hold surges uh i haven't tried playing them yet but i do think it's something to watch out for um if you can't kill them fast enough off of stuff in your territory um they might be able to just swarm into your territory and be a real problem um they have a really high glory ceiling and they don't have to score through kills. Um, That's fair. And I, I think, think the go ahead. I think it's important to remember all the war bands that can revive fighters just because it's always such a surprise. Um, to be like, oh, yeah, the math is different in this matchup. There's an extra fighter or two that I have to deal with.
3: I agree. And I think the I think the thing that Grimwatch are going to suffer for is there's a lot of be in enemy territory and they don't want you in their territory.
0: So No, that is true, but I think in almost all the match and this is probably something we should have talked about earlier. So we, we have these aggro matchups where both sides are gonna want to be in enemy territory. Most likely only one side will actually get to be an enemy territory because somebody will have sort of dictated where the fighting is going to happen. Right. How do you, uh, what are you guys thinking about that? What are you sort of planning for? What are your thoughts on how to sort of strategize around that? So my thought is
3: particularly with fearsome Portress, I think the, and this will kind of depend on what the, the next deck is i think fearsome fortress is the weakest of the bunch <gasps> in, in, say, what? That was loud. <laughs> in that it's fairly easily worked around fairly easily all you have to do is offset boards or longboard
0: that's a true that's that's very true longboarding really hurts uh fearsome fortress so If you are playing fearsome fortress and you know that's what you want to be doing, uh, try to be not longboarded. I guess (laughs) right. And that's
3: that's the thing. Either you give them the longboard option, or you're giving them more objectives.
2: Well, I'll I'll counter that later on. But yeah.
3: Oh no, we're talking about it. Go
2: ahead. No, we'll we'll get into that when we're talking about the warbands we've built.
0: Oh. Okay, we'll probably just talk about it now because like, it's something that's going on right now. So so, so, say say you're playing Fearsome Fortress and you're getting longboarded. What is it that you're thinking is your counter to that? You're just going to have to move the objectives.
2: The Fearsome Fortress does give you opportunities. Uh, they have a ploy card, Tanglebriar, in order to get that second uh, hex onto the board, the second snare token. Mm -hmm. uh they also have so that way if your opponent isn't bringing it themselves then you can make sure to bring it yourself with the tangle briar um you also have bold engineer mason's great hammer so bold engineer uh gives a move bonus if you're not making a charge as a reaction after a friendly fighter's activation pick one feature token in an empty hex adjacent to this fighter place that feature token in this fighter's hex so you could equip bold engineer onto a fighter move them into no man's land where say in a longboard situation it is difficult to get more than two objectives in no man's land or one hex of no man's land Mm -hmm. you you could manage two but if your opponent really wants to thwart it they can um
3: Right, but then you're spending tech on making your playstyle work instead of combating your opponent or actually really accomplishing anything.
2: Well, I would I would still counter that because Mason's Great Hammer uh, has a reaction mm-hmm. after this fighter's activation, remove a feature token from this fighter's hex and place another available feature token in this fighter's hex. So you can kind of smith around with some of the hexes, you can delete a objective token and be able to put that into uh, on the sideboard, and then summon in the objective token with either a plunder uh, reaction, uh, plunder being a reaction after in- taking an enemy fighter out of action, plays an available objective next to your fighter. So you can delete objectives that aren't in No Man's Land, and then replace them with Plunder. Uh, And Mason's Great Hammer does come with a pretty good attack action. Two dice, hammers, cleave, Grievous one for two damage flat, spiking to
1: three with Grievous. So to jump in here as well, um, I think if you're going to run Fearsome Fortress, I think it's run best with a three or four fighter warband for exactly this reason. I think you should take a good look at your boards before you sit down for the tournament and be prepared if uh, they have you present a board first, your opponent, uh, uh, have a board uh, ready that you're okay with getting long boarded on either side of it, right? Uh, so just you know have your starting, or starting hexes already mapped out on a board or two in case this comes up uh, so that... When inevitably, inevitably does because your opponent's going to hear you say Fearsome Fortress and this uh, could very well be their immediate response. Um, just know how to play to it. Uh, and if you have a war band with you know five or more fighters, that becomes increasingly harder. Um, and then to jump off of what Brian's talking about with like different card tech that's available in Fearsome Fortress, uh, the Walking Wall will also help uh, ensure uh, scoring and. Capability with the deck, uh, as well as you know that uh, starting uh, objective token or not objective token, but the um, the available snare cover token that you get to plant yourself at the beginning, um, as well as if you're getting long boarded, you got first choice and objective, so you're going to be able to guarantee one objective is where you mm-hmm. want it to be, as well as then that um, extra placement from the fearsome fortress uh, card itself. Yeah, because if you're getting longboarded
2: and you're placing the first objective, you don't really want to put that objective in the center. You want to put it... Uh, you want to dictate where your opponent uh, can't then follow up and really clog up No Man's Land. So putting it towards one of the... One hex away from No Man's Land. Uh, I Probably in there so that you can dictate that it's closest or in the preferable spot. Um, but that also depends on especially if the, the board they chose to longboard you with um, if it's got hexes around those edges you got to be able to uh, pick that decisively
0: absolutely so i think there's all good i good points and i think it it just you know it's a reminder that there's more than just picking cards that we have to consider here and so when you're trying to play the non aggro strategies you're having to consider a lot more things just because um you know you you have to worry more about positioning theoretically than your opponents do um you know somebody playing gnarle spirit pack maybe they're playing stuff that cares about being in enemy territory but they're just going to want to get to you anyway so they probably were going to go into enemy territory regardless um so all of these things are good things to keep in mind um but to that point, I think it is also good to remember where um, we have, you know, lots of different strategies in the game, but the rivals decks, as we've been mentioning, are limiting you a little bit. And so when you're trying to play these other warbands that don't do the aggro thing, you suddenly start to be having to um, to lean towards doing some stranger things or having to think harder. Um, so, uh, I guess this is maybe a good time for me to mention the war bands that I'm bringing, but also are thinking about bringing, but also thinking might be, uh, seen. Um, so I think another one that you could see, uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is Morgox crushes. There's some, as far as I can tell some question as to whether or not you'd actually know how they're going to be play just because they have beta rules right now and i don't see anything in the post about what the beta rules are gonna be but regardless we might see crushes because they're just a good aggro warband but they don't have to be like a full charge forward aggro warband they they have some hold stuff in their um in their own cards which could help them to be more of a counter punch, which i think could help them I think Wormspat can do a similar thing. They can also be a a counterpunch. They can do a number of different things and be hard to remove. So it's like, okay, come to me. That's kind of what I want and then get the counterpunch. Um, And then the last one I think we might actually see that we haven't talked about yet is Lady Harrow's Mournflight. And I think you always Mm. have to remember that they're around and they're always pretty good because their in-faction cards are quite strong. Um, especially the fact that they have multiple different uh, pushes so they can reposition enemy fighters. Um, And they have a lot of passive scoring. So while they are definitely not as well positioned for Nemesis, in my opinion, I think you do have to remember that they are probably going to be one of these warbands doing something different than aggro and might do it very well and be hard to deal with if you can't hit them because they all start on two dodge um so those are my three picks for warbands you might see um in terms of a warband that i'm actually thinking about taking though i'm trying out starblood stalkers um mostly because i just want to play something that's already painted but also because i don't want to be full aggro and starblood stalkers can flex and have some interesting options for being able to get into enemy territory quickly um can cover a lot of the board without being clumped up together, um, which negates some of that uh, risk of having scything. Um, And if you can get on both sides, at least something that I've seen so far, is if you can get on both sides of an aggro warband, you start to split them and it makes it difficult for them to choose what they wanna do Um, because they might not have enough speed to get all the way across the board if they had to go to like their back line and then to your back line. Um, So they're all things I'm considering, um, but I think that maybe what we've shown here is that, well, the main strategy is probably going to be aggro, and it's going to be predominantly aggro. There are other options, but you're going to have to continue to plan a lot more and probably get a lot more practice games if you want to be able to try and play something that's not aggro. Uh, any other thoughts about some of these uh, other strategies, other things that might be sort of the dark horse picks that we could be seeing in the I wanna,
1: format? I want to ask, uh, who thinks that we're going to see Mala? Because, you know, Mala, yeah. always, he's always been <laughs> the tournament boogeyman, right? Um, I'm not so sure for a nemesis tournament. I, I I think that you'll almost certainly see him. I have no
0: idea if he'll do well.
3: Yeah, right. I would agree with that sentiment. I think the thing that Molog has capitalized on is niche cards in championship that most people don't do because they <laughs> target the your leader or... <laughs> right, because you can't. Um, But I don't think there's enough of that for him to capitalize on. Sure, he's chunky, and he can abuse the action economy a little more than what most people can. I just don't see it being as viable when everybody wants to do all of the murder yesterday.
0: Well,
2: (laughs) I think Molog always kind of comes back to the fore anytime there's a high prevalence in accuracy cards and there certainly is that i think where he's really going to struggle and whether or not somebody can make it work is because a lot of the cards come with the caveat that it can't be placed on a large fighter so i haven't personally looked at and judged the rivals decks based on that and whether or not that is critical to uh, building a deck so i don't know if there is a rivals deck that shouts out to Molog. Because I would think Tooth and Claw, but I know it particularly has a lot of cards with that caveat.
3: And now that I'm thinking on it, I, I think Molog might have some play. It just might not come in the form that we are used to. Because Stalag Squig, sitting on an objective, either in hmm. the midground or in your own territory, if you're the Molog player, can be a disruption. I don't think the Bat Squig and Spite Shroom are going to have much to say on the matter, but between the two, it might be disruptive. Winning, I don't know, but disruptive for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, the only car that I've even thought about when thinking about the big fighters and specifically Molog is that there's um, a surge in uh, Tooth and Claw where you score it after your leader gets their second or subsequent kill and it's for two glory yeah yeah malag will pick it's, that up guarantee that's pretty good <laughs> um yep. but i think you can't build around one card so i don't know um he he also has a really terrible in faction objective deck so i think it does make it very difficult for him um But you might be able to just play almost exclusively with Tooth and Claw and be fine just because he's like, I'm going to go smash things. And if you happen to roll well, you're going to smash things. That's just how Monolog works out. And his infection upgrades are good.
3: On that note, even the kill two, he's going to struggle a lot against three-man bands because all of them have four or more health. So unless he gets a... Uh, gets an attack action upgrade that's that's four attacks that have to succeed for a surge
2: yeah four well
3: because he starts out at damage three most of your three man bands have at least four health yeah so at at least at the beginning if you get that turn one that is that's four actions that you have to take in order for that surge to go off hmm
0: I mean, yes, sure. I don't know that it, it has to be. There's pings, there's damage upgrades, there's other options. But I don't think we need to sure. necessarily break it all down um, on the fly here. But I think...
2: The rival's decks are pretty sparse for plus one damage. Like, uh, just as a great strength
0: equivalent. Yeah, but he has one because he's from one of those old Oh, does he? So just gets <laughs> Um I think... I think he's 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 worth considering i think it's it's a fair question i think he's something that you could see i think in the same vein like that's sort of why i started thinking about hrothgorn because he's in the same vein but has more flexibility but again his his infaction objective deck is pretty rough um for similar reasons actually they both want to just like kill everything and that's not guaranteed to happen for your end phase and you can clog your hand really badly so Something that is very difficult to work around, um, but Rothgorn does have the benefit of
2: one inspired having two block. He does, slightly formidable,
0: slight ac- or slight defense boost. Absolutely, absolutely. S- especially for a big fighter. Well, we have certainly talked a lot about the different possible things we'll see. So sort of breaking down, I guess, in a way what we think the nemesis meta might look like. Um, know in a long roundabout way um are there any other specific callouts for sort of cards to watch out for or specific like strategies that you've seen people play already in the nemesis format where you're like "Ooh, that was something that's probably gonna be like a really nice high level play that you might want to be prepared for in specific uh specific decks and specific combinations
3: maybe cards not to choose <clears throat> Skyler. <laughs> sure.
0: yeah and i guess maybe even before that one that i have gotten caught out with multiple times already is called a heal. um i'm sure i'm not the only one and so if if you see somebody doing something where you're like man the positioning on that seems very suspect um you know there there is a push for. <laughs> that you could be seeing come right after that weird positioning. Um, something to keep in mind. And if you're not considering playing that card yourself um, and you're using Tooth and Claw, is definitely one that you probably want. Um, and I guess for people who aren't familiar, the card is uh, essentially, it's it's if you have a Savage Fighter, you can then push them up to four hexes as long as they end adjacent to a friendly fighter. Or they I believe be it also has
2: the benefit of you could push an enemy fighter one hex.
0: You could, you could. Yeah, and so you get that option. Its flexibility is really nice, but then um, that repositioning is, I think, what always catches me out. And that's in a tooth
2: and claw deck, so if your it opponent is- has that, keep an eye out. Uh, they could lash out with somebody and then yoink them right back. So you might think, okay, well, at least I get to swing on them now, and then they just take them right back.
1: Speaking of push four options, this is not where Josh was leading me, Um, but if you're running Fearsome Fortress, um, there is redeploy in that deck, and if that gets comboed with Walking Wall, um, at least the way it's written today, uh, without uh, any sort of uh, FAQ to call out otherwise, uh, Walking Wall enables a push four from wherever that fighter is to wherever that fighter wants to be, uh, as long as they started in their territory. Uh, so there's another push forward to watch out for. Uh, Could potentially... you break
2: down both cards so that uh, yeah, absolutely. Understand why?
1: Uh, so, walking wall uh, is for the purpose of cards with the fearsome fortress symbol. While this fighter is not on a feature token, this fighter is considered to be on a feature token, and this fighter's hex is considered to contain a feature token that cannot be flipped, uh, and then redeploy. Says, choose one friendly fighter on a feature token in your territory. Uh, push that fighter up to four hexes. At the end of that push, that fighter must be on a feature token. So they've got to start and end on a feature token. They also have to start uh, on the uh, in your territory. So that feature token they're starting on, your territory. Uh, that could be walking wall, and then walking wall. Could also, count for the landing zone as well because of the way it's written. Uh, we've previously seen uh, a similar combo in uh, it was Darkening Stone and Covered of Darkness. However, Cover of Darkness called out moving into a uh, hex uh, into another cover hex, and so it was ruled that you know you're not moving into a cover hex. Uh, You're kind of creating one underneath you as as you enter. So you couldn't use it to just push anywhere uh, with cover into darkness. But here, it checks at the end of that push that fighter must be on a feature token, which you definitely will be. Um, So that could launch, uh, you know, if you're against somebody uh, with fearsome fortress, they could launch with redeploy off of any objective token that they're, or feature token that they're on. um, In their territory. In their territory. uh, Or just off of walking wall so uh push fours are serious business to to be on the lookout for
2: yeah major redeploy options uh but it is from the enemy territory and so then they can go wherever but they can't yoink somebody back from no man's land or your territory
1: right yeah it's not it's not an escape card unless the escape is leaving the your land that has now been invaded. Right. Goodbye, that, land. It's now yours.
2: That's <laughs> true. Uh, my call out for a uh, really nasty card is in the Daring Delver's deck, Quick Roots. So this yes. is a ploy trap card, and this has done me dirty several times. Reaction, play this after an enemy fighter's activation. If that fighter has one or more move and or charge tokens, deal one damage to that fighter. So I have made the mistake of making an action with a uh, vulnerable fighter. So like I've actually tried to make a charge and this person... I'm actually looking at it again. I don't think it can do what they're doing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But in my sequence, I had a vulnerable fighter make a charge action. After they made the move portion of their charge, I had this card played and it would take them out of action. That's
0: Yeah, it's not right. The, the wording on the card says after the fighter's activation. So they would have to fully right. complete the activation, which would be after uh, the charge sequence was completely completed. Well. I got
2: done real dirty multiple times then. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, However, this could still uh, catch you off guard if you make a charge onto a feature token or something that you wanted to hold on to, and now that person's just going to die. So you might have tried to uh, get that person, you might have uh, called to heal or redeploy, get them fr- uh, back to safety uh, to get them away. But after they have a move or a charge token on them, suddenly they're dead.
0: Yeah, I think some of the plays that I've um, worked with this because I'm using it in my um, uh, the Starblood Stalkers because I'm I'm doing all the nasty ping things because um, I'm doing the Daring Delvers, but um, it's any activation. So if somebody has a range attack and they make an attack and they already moved, well, you can get them then they didn't have to make the move that turn. They just have to have the token already. They could go on guard, just be like, I'm vulnerable. I don't want to get attacked. Then you can get them. Well, it, it does have to be
2: that fighter. Yeah. I'll play this after an enemy fighters activation. If that fighter has one or more move or charge tokens. Right.
0: But what I'm saying is that you can get them after they already have the token. Yeah. Even if the action was not a move or a charge. Yeah. And that includes if you gave them the token. So you could even set it up where, like, Mm. oh, my fighter now has this move token. Well, I guess (laughs) I'll bottle. bottle. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty rude. It's a very mean card. Um, That reaction is very hard to play around. um, And it's not very
1: nice. I would say Uh, if you're up against Daring Delvers and you haven't seen Quick Roots yet, expect expect it.
2: Yes. Well well i feel better about how that reaction works now but i would like to put out the psa don't let your opponent do what my opponent did to me
0: yeah make sure that (laughs) make sure they let you
1: finish your activation yeah brian did you just say read the card No, i did not (laughs) rtfc my dude (laughs) (laughs) twice (laughs) uh I
0: do have another one that I ran into in our last session of test games, but Josh, anything that uh, you've seen that you want people to be aware of in the nemesis format? Oh,
3: not that I haven't heard touched on yet today.
0: So the uh, one card that I saw come up recently in our um, test games uh, is that. So I'm, I'm playing with daring delvers and doing the ping stuff. So I'm playing sudden demise. And for folks who don't know, uh, and you should probably be aware of this card just in general. Uh, Sudden Demise is a surge where you can score this immediately after an enemy fighter is taken out of action by either a lethal hex or a gambit. Um, so basically you pinged somebody to death or pushed them into a lethal to kill them. And you'll score this as two glory on the surge. So it makes the kill worth three, which is pretty crazy um, by itself. So yes, be aware of this card it is very good. People with pings will play it against you. Um, but the weird thing is that having to play a lot more um less efficient pings led me to playing the card grasping root grave so this is a domain ploy and it says you can't play this in the final power step of a round so essentially there must be one more activation left in the round Mm -hmm. when you play this that is the last opportunity to do so um at the end of the action phase, you will then deal one damage to each fighter adjacent to a feature token. And this also, uh, I guess, is a is a reason to be a little wary of playing Fierce and Fortress because you can ping a lot of fighters with this uh, if they're doing the clumped feature tokens in the middle. Um, but so the interesting thing that I found is that because of the, where this triggers, there is an odd interaction with how surges score. So surges specifically are called out that they score whenever you meet the condition, but you don't actually get the card cycled and scored until you are in a surge step. So normally you have surge steps at the beginning of the activation, uh, in, after the activation, and then in the power step. Because this triggers after the action phase, there isn't another uh, surge step until the start of the next round's activation because that's the first surge step that comes up. So if you have sudden demise in hand and you are trying to score it in round three, you can't score it with grasping root grave, even if you meet the condition because grasping root grave will trigger after the last uh, Hmm. surge step. So a very weird interaction, something I had to look at the rule book a couple different times to try and make sure I knew all the timing to get that right. Um, so just just a a weird timing it only is that one card because nothing else deals damage at the end of the actions phase like that um but i'm sure that more than a few people will probably be using grasping root grave in their daring delvers decks because they need those extra ploys Mm -hmm. or pings excuse me so don't (laughs) let them cheat (laughs) um Okay, yeah, so that was the last one I had to call out. I think I know Skyler at least has a card that he wants to mention as one to probably expect that either you shouldn't play it or if you see someone play it, you'll probably have to um, know how it works to make sure that they don't try to use it in a way. Yes,
1: I do. All right. I do not have the card up in front of me. I am bringing it up just so that I can read it verbatim. I think I would have had this card up.
0: You know, they don't call us prepared professionals. (laughs) I
1: have my notes on the
0: card, not the
1: card. All right. So... Uh, the card Phil is alluding to is Final Say. And this is also what Josh was trying to lead me to earlier. Uh, so Final Say reads, uh, it's an upgrade, uh, reaction. After a gambit is played that chooses keyword chooses one or more friendly fighters, give this fighter one charge token and break this card. When you do that gambit is not resolved. So when I first read this card, I was excited. I tossed it straight into my first Wild Hunt and Daring Delvers deck uh, and gave it a go. So it was in my initial draft, and uh, after actually only one game with it, um, I realized it was more easily maneuvered than I would have liked, uh, especially in Nemesis. So uh, against Tooth and Claw, uh, Dark Command can still deal damage to you if your opponent positions, positions and chooses their own fighter. So Dark Command is another ping option available to you. Uh, let me pull that one up. Uh, Dark Command uh, is choose one beast or savage fighter. So not friendly, not enemy, fighter. Deal one damage to one enemy fighter adjacent to the chosen fighter. So um, when you're up against the tooth and claw deck, Be mindful of who on your side is savage and that they're not seated right next to somebody that would be a good ping target for your opponent. Um, So, what Final Say does here is it would indeed prevent them from selecting your fighter, but they don't have to. Uh, They can select one of their savage fighters. So, they can charge somebody into position or get a beast into position and deal one damage. Uh, to you and completely ignore your final say. Uh, So that's a bummer. Dark Command would definitely be one of those cards you'd want to be able to block out here. Uh, Call to Heal. uh, We brought this one up before. Uh, Similar case. Uh, It could be used to push you uh, distraction style, but if you have final say out, um, then they could just choose to use it as friendly push. So, so far we have two cards that you would want final say to block out that they can play around. And the only other card in Tooth and Claw uh, that has Choose is Binding Hex, uh, and it's not a common pick. Um, And then uh, against Daring Delvers, uh, it can't stop Quick Roots, and it can't stop Grasping Root Grave, both pings that you would hope you'd be able to stop with a card like this, Um, but neither of them say Choose. Um, It can, however, stop Flame Wisps. Uh, That is the deck's, only Choose Gambit. Uh, but killing the enemy wizard will also drastically reduce the effectiveness of this card. Uh, so if you can just take out their enemy wizard uh, when you know that they're playing Darian Delvers, then um, you've already dealt with that problem. Uh, so going on a little bit further, there's uh, Fierce Fortress. Uh, there's only one Choose Enemy card in this deck, Makeshift Bombardment. Uh, this card says... Uh, Choose one friendly fighter on a feature token and choose one enemy fighter visible to that friendly fighter and within three hexes of that friendly fighter. Pick one. Stagger the chosen enemy fighter or push the chosen enemy fighter one hex away from the chosen friendly fighter. So, this card actually does get blocked by Final Say. Uh, And it has distraction capabilities, so this is a nice one to block out. Uh, But... That depends on if you can draw, equip, and keep alive your final safe fighter before makeshift bombardment is used. Uh, Lastly, against Deadly Depths, the only choose in that deck is Blazing Light, Uh, and there's nothing that you need to worry about blocking <laughs> <laughs> so, in Nemesis, uh, Final Say is incredibly matchup dependent because it is best served to handle Warband specific choose enemy cards uh, since current supplementary decks, like the ones I just broke down, uh, are not bringing many of their own. Uh, so, I did the math, so you don't have to. The research, I, I went into each of these four decks uh to see what choose cards you could block out and unfortunately the answer was uh only only a few and I don't think it's worth your card slot. But if you want to bring it and you get lucky and get paired against a let's say Lady Harrows with multiple distractions, you might be happy you had it.
0: Yeah I think I think the ultimate Uh, message there is certainly uh it's not as efficient as you'd hope and you can probably find more efficient options to fill out your upgrade slots i think Um, so sadly yeah and i think efficiency is certainly the name of the game here um because there's so many suboptimal choices that you're going to be forced into that you want to have as many really really solid choices as you can so that when you do have to take those suboptimal choices they're not um They're not compounding a a further problem with your deck. Um, Absolutely. Any other thoughts about uh, some of these cards to be aware of? Cards that we've found to be good or problematic in our testing so far?
2: No, I think we hit some of the big highlights for uh, things to be on the lookout for. Yeah, I think think so. so.
0: Yeah. So we ran down... Some of the considerations for the nemesis format as a whole. Some of the warbands we think we're going to see. What are some of the form like? What are the popular strategies? What are some of the unexpected but potential strategies you might see? And then some of the options that we're considering. Uh, I think that pretty much runs everything down. Uh, Anything else that any of you guys would like to mention before we close things
1: up here? Yeah. Uh, So the only one of us four so far to break down what they're personally considering bringing. Uh, was actually Phil, uh, and I'd like oh, to... Oh, really?
0: I thought everybody sort of mentioned... Because, Josh, you said Gore Chosen.
3: Yep. Oh. Gore Chosen or blind-picking the new Warband.
0: Yep, yeah. and I guess we didn't exactly hear what Brian was thinking, but he was thinking fearsome Fortress.
2: I'm also holding out hope for that the new Warband is something spectacular. I, I don't think there's been this uh the preview that we have of the symbol for them has a lot of intrigue um a lot of chatter online so I'm, I'm holding out hope that it's what my bet is of like dark elves like uh what's his name malarion uh not marathi's uh warband but marathi's son uh so i'm really holding out hope for that and uh, Keeping, keeping my options open, but as far as what I'm currently working on, like I said, I've kind of abandoned Loon Court. I uh, didn't really have the zeal to get them painted and wasn't really enjoying some of the practice games I was having, uh, so I went back to my old bread and butter of Dread Pageant. Uh, since Fearsome Fortress came out, I thought that they had a lot more play. I haven't been seeing the... Sheer amount of pings that I thought I might be seeing. Uh, The only one that has really made me... uh, Been the realization of all the pings that I feared was Skylar's (laughs) ping-a-fires. So I'm going to give it a go for a little bit here. Kind of bide my time. Uh, But Dread Pageant is one that I also kind of want to just see continue to pop up in the meta. See what I can do with them. See if I can continue to keep their name in the conversation. Uh, so I was fancying around a fearsome fortress deck for them.
1: Hey Josh, uh who are you thinking uh I'm sorry. Did you say you were pairing Fearsome Fortress with Gore Chosen? With Gore Chosen? He
3: did. Uh, I said I was playing Gore Chosen. I didn't say I was pairing them with Fearsome Fortress.
1: See, I didn't think I caught a pairing from you. Uh what are you what are you contemplating over there?
3: Um I haven't landed on which one that I'm like for sure going to adepticon with but there's a lot of ping and it'd be a real shame if somebody came in with a bunch of ping at their disposal
1: <laughs> all right then. yeah yeah you can also go the uh domain route i think uh, a little bit with uh darren delvers i think they've got uh good domain tech there if i recall correctly that was one of our locals taylor uh running a nemesis uh domain build with darren delvers right Yeah. Uh, yeah i can't remember if it was championship or nemesis but it was really good and yeah no uh thinking back definitely definitely nemesis so dabbling into doubling down on domains with Gore chosen is a a fun option for anybody out there
0: well how about you skylar since you Wanted to make sure everyone got to call out their warband choice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh,
1: I, I mentioned at the top of the call, I, or uh, the top of the episode that I was messing around with uh, head crackers and skates. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to uh, shed some little light on why I or what pairings uh, I thought were, were fun with them and why I was leaning into them. Um, so with with skates, uh, Darian Delvers. Uh, and I'm leaning to that uh, and the exploration mechanic there because I think their speed allows them to be nimble enough to get where I need them to be uh, and keep them safe uh, for the most part, albeit the one that I will not state again. Um, but outside of that, uh, looking over at Headcrackers, uh, Fearsome Fortress, Uh, is what I'm looking at pairing with them. Uh, And I got really excited uh, when I saw Fearsome Fortress was bringing back the uh, ability to place a future token at the start of the game uh, because of the ability that Daco and Wallop have to push one towards the enemy leader at the beginning of the game. Uh, So it's harder to get exactly onto future tokens with both of them. Uh, right at the beginning of the gate without having access to that additional placement uh, because your opponent can um, mess with your ability to place your objectives where you want. Um, But with that extra token, you can pretty much secure that both of them can end up on a feature token at the beginning. Uh, And then paired with that comes two surges that I'm pretty excited that they have access to uh, with Bold Sortie. Uh, score this immediately after an activation step in which a friendly fighter's charge action uh, began on a feature token in your territory, uh, as well as uh, Earthworks. Uh, a friendly fighter is given a guard token uh, if that fighter is on a feature token within one hex of no one's territory. Um, so both of those end up being a surge that the Mad mob can score turn one uh, with Daco and Wallops ability, as well as that extra token that you're able to place at the start.
0: Yeah, um, definitely was fun to see playing into it, um, playing against it. I, uh, you know, it makes it makes for some interesting options. Um, certainly makes you have to think more about what headcrackers are doing than what you might normally expect. And um, maybe something that is worth calling out just because it's not as uh, common to see anymore. Um, well basically it's impossible to see anymore outside of this matchup is that primacy is something that they bring along Mm -hmm. Um, and that extra glory it matters especially in nemesis where the glory totals tend to be slightly lower um having a potential three extra glory that you could score in a round or in a game um it adds up it adds up real quick so uh yeah uh, i like to
2: be underestimated
0: yeah i like i like the head crack is sort of as a dark horse that could be uh stronger than people maybe expect agree i think yeah. that's that's a pretty good discussion of sort of going into this tournament being nemesis and how how at least we're thinking about it and hopefully that gives some folks some good ideas of like what to think about what they might try and do for building their own decks and sort of how to strategize some of what they're doing with building um I think it's uh, something that I didn't uh, or I neglected to mention at the beginning of the episode. If, if you are thinking about wanting to play Nemesis and you, you know, haven't really ever built decks before um, and you're just new to the game, but you want to go play because it's a, a lower barrier to entry than Championship. And I think there might be uh, at least a handful of people like that, um, given the pretty easy access to the format uh, that is Nemesis. Um, if you go on over to our friends uh, Battle Mallet Podcasts website, they actually have some <clears throat> lists that they've already built for every single faction in the entire game. Um, basically, they when Nemesis was a thing, like their their main focus was Rivals Plus and Rivals. Um, so when Nemesis was officially announced, they went through all the different warbands and built Nemesis decks for all of them. Um, uh, we I don't know if they've revised any of those yet with new decks, but I'm sure they're probably working on it because that is their bread and butter. Yeah, no, um, they've
2: got it complete and I'll make sure to get the link for yeah. that in the show notes.
0: Yeah. So if anybody is interested in like just being able to say, Hey, I don't really know what to do, but I want to play this war band I just bought. I just need a deck to use. There's fully built decks that you can just go grab right off their website. And that's a, probably a, a really great way to just, quickly have something that's playable and you know that somebody who is familiar with the game has already sort of vetted that this build is at least functional like maybe maybe they haven't like fine-tuned it to like high competition level but they know it works right so um something something cool that's out there something good to be able to reference any final thoughts before i close us out here not off the top of my head we'll be rolling out to adepticon
2: in force hope to see you there.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, it should be a good time. Um, I, I don't know that I plan on playing in both tournaments, but it is worth noting that there is also a, uh, a friendly tournament on the Wednesday night of Adepticon, the 22nd of March. Um, it's the first day of the event. It's just a friendly nemesis tournament. Um, so if you want to get an, an additional tournament in before you do the two-day Grand Clash, uh, you, you certainly can do that. Um, I don't know that I'm planning to play in both, but something to be aware of.
2: Yeah, I know that two of our locals are currently signed up for it. Skyler's on the wait list. Uh, Skyler, were you able to reach out and hear from them whether or not that it's a hard cap at
1: 20? Not yet, but uh, as of Adepticon registration, you know, how it currently stands, uh, it is 20 seats only uh, and is full, but I am looking to reach out to uh, the Dice Heroes. Uh, they are the folks hosting it. Uh, to see if uh, that number is indeed uh, locked in or if we can't expand it.
2: Yeah, I'll be curious to see. Uh, I currently am planning to be at the GW preview, uh, but if it's an open thing and we can... I, I might pivot, but uh, currently planning to go to the preview at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind. It is, it is concurrent with the preview from GW, so you'll have to choose what you want to do. And... See if there's even a spot. All right. That, I think, will do it for today. Um, we'll definitely keep folks posted. We've got about a month until, or uh, two months until the tournament, so we'll probably have a few updates about our warbands as we go. Um, but uh, for now, I think that's a good primer, and folks can get started with their thoughts. Uh, if you have thoughts yeah. about anything that we said about Nemesis as a format or things about breaking down for Adepticon or or bands you're thinking about that we didn't think about, uh, please reach out to us. Let us know. You can reach us at wthcast on Twitter, or you can get us at what the hex at gmail.com. Um, feel free to go and check out any of our other content or any of the other mortal realms content over at the mortal realms.com. Um, specifically, I will call out that we have a couple of old episodes from about a year ago and two years ago. Uh, for our previous journeys to Adeptcon and some of the things that we're doing to sort of prepare for a major tournament like this, I think some of those concepts still apply today, even though the the format is different. Um, So if you want to hear some more about tournament prep, go find those old episodes. We could probably link to those ones if we decide that is important. Um, Coming up next, uh, we will likely be recapping our tournament that was going to be coming up here on the 21st so boys you uh you up for a flavor text quiz
3: you know i am
2: hit me
0: all right so i found one that i thought went fair the name of the card i think goes fairly well with uh what we're talking about today that'll be your clue uh the the flavor text is this is my kill long cut by goral spinehammer oh my
1: (laughs)
3: You're killing me cuz I've almost ignored this war band out of spite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are we immediately assuming it's warband? I specific? mean,
3: that's that's fair. Hmm. <clears>
1: hmm. <throat> I mean, it's got to be a competition. Surge. It
0: has to be a surge, huh? Yeah, fierce it competition. Fierce competition, that's your that's your guess. Brian's guess is fierce competition. Uh all right. What what about you Josh? You got a guess? I don't. Okay. Man. Skylar? Is it an aggro card?
1: It's fairly aggro. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I was thinking about raw materials, but that's got corn on it. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, the prize goes to Brian. The
0: card <laughs> is indeed fierce competition. Good on you, Brian. Good job. I was scrolling through Alan. the card names, and I was like, that seems okay. good. <laughs> Golf club. <clip. laughs> we looking at the card names. Brian. I know. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, i've seen it before (laughs) yeah and then uh close us out our recommended listening for today is going to be nemesis by benjamin clementine 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 uh i'm not actually sure how you say his name i've only seen it spelled um pretty interesting song go check it out pretty fun for what the hex i've been phil i've been brian i've
1: been josh and i've been skyler
3: So the, bleh, bleh. let's uh, try that. Shout out to Davy! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Davey, the MVP. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't trip first this time. <laughs> hey, this uh, sounds like a perfect moment for
3: editing.